0: The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for the info that you need to make yourself a smarter, better NBA, college basketball, and the NHL. They've got you covered. Just go to betql.com promo code SGP30. That's betql.com promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports bettor, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. Better than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our page so you don't miss a pick. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com BTV, sportsgamblingpodcast.com BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by Better Edge. Better Edge is like a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like a stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG betting that's legal in 40 states, Sign up at betteredge.com promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's bettor dot promo code SGP.
1: Thank you for coming to the podcast. The MMA Gambling Podcast, a.k.a. Mediocre at Best on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I think we are going to change the name to Mediocre at Best because that's all you can expect when you tune in here. Uh, I am your host, Jeff Fox, and there's nothing I would rather do than in this time of season of love with Valentine's Day than to spend time with you degenerates and talk about people punching each other in the face. Um, And I also would not... Would not rather, would rather not spend this, anyhow, I, I, uh, I would uh, rather spend this time with no one else but my my soulmate, my co-host, which I will introduce shortly, but nonetheless, uh, like I said, I am Jeff Fox, I'm the host of this here program, if you want to call it that, this is episode 16, I am also a writer and editor at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, where well, you can read all my MMA stuff there, um, and I run the all-inclusive MMA site, MMA-Manifesto.com. Um, one of my helpers over there is my my MMA soulmate, um, my co-host of this podcast. Also, he also hosts the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the Prelim Picker podcast. Um, some people call him the Herb Dean of making smart, quick decisions. <laughs> <laughs> he is Daniel, the Hillbilly Beaver.
0: Freeland, <laughs> the hillbilly beaver. I I know that that's a, a an inside joke, and I remember it by email. And it's it's. I, I'm trying to remember the origin. Is it because I'm busy? Busy like a beaver?
1: Yeah, I I believe I said yeah. that uh The busy beavers get the most work, and I also said you, since you grew up like on a mountain in a cabin or whatever, whatever your your uh, your <laughs> um
0: your. Back that's my origin. That's my origin, origin story. story. I,
1: I went to the cabin,
0: a cabin with no internet, which is why uh, now that I have it, uh, I overthink all of my picks.
1: There you go. Um, We were mediocre last week, which which was an improvement actually, a step up Um, for us. We both went five and four uh, at UFC 258. Dan squeaked out the money win. He lost a little less money than I did, Um, and overall. I'm inching closer to the back to that 500 mark. I'm hoping to get right up to that 60% mark or so, which is where I've been since the starting of 2020. So I'm at 24 and 29. Dan is at 18 and 35. Um, Like I said, we both went five for four last week at UFC 258. Um, Fights fell out, got canceled, switched around after we had recorded. I will mention in my column on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Uh, dot com. I did have Chris Gutierrez beating Andre Yule, so I really have six wins. So I, I think I beat you there, Dan. Would you I pick?
0: Also, I also definitely had Chris Gutierrez. I yeah, actually sure think did. he is a real sleeper pick at bantamweight too, uh, because like, I mean, apart from the the sort of grappling loss he had to Cody Durden, he is on a uh, five fight unbeaten streak. You, know, you have to call it unbeaten because he did have that one draw in there. And the only loss was like a short notice fight he took against Rayoni Barcelos, who's, you know, on the verge of being ranked as well. So, yeah, I've been big on, on Chris Gutierrez for a while. Um, I also just kind of in general think that Andre Ewell the type of guy who's only going to like catch subs on guys shooting in desperately or needs to outstrike them. Um, in like, that, it didn't seem like that was going to be possible with Gutierrez. So yeah, I was going to have Gutierrez too. I actually had him in a DraftKings lineup. So, um, yeah, the, the, we'll, we'll, call it both six and four.
1: So was, were your DraftKings, Kings picks as mediocre as, as your rest of your picks?
0: Yeah, basically, uh, it, and we, we can get into the, the nitty gritty of it, but basically mm-hmm. Rodolfo Vieira sunk all of them.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He, he, he was the, the DraftKings column I wrote for. First sports guy podcast once again um i had viera he was my top money choice and yeah that that didn't go over so well um i was looking over uh, um we didn't hit any any um underdogs i don't think either of us no uh, neither of us hit any underdogs last week so that's why we're down money if you're gonna bat on every hundred bucks and every fight like which we claim you should um the only way you're gonna win money is if if you hit Hit the underdogs uh, on the fight card. There were underdogs came through, but we didn't have any of them, of course. Um, Whoever beat Mallory, uh, Vienna, Pollyanna Vienna, uh, beat Mallory Martin. That was an underdog. Uh, The aforementioned Vieira, Rodolfo Vieira, uh, Anthony Hernandez. What was he at? He was
0: he was negative be, or plus three hundred I think or something close to three hundred yeah. maybe even a little higher. Three, and then,
1: he was, yeah, 3 three. three fifteen when we recorded. And then yeah. he yeah, go ahead with the prop. He yeah, had the the, the, the uh, sub prop was the
0: sub prop was plus three thousand.
1: Yeah, <laughs> was an you, you got to think th- someone probably hit that. You, you got to think someone. Someone even even putting ten bucks on that you would have uh, you'd be laughing today, but. Um so yeah, we missed that. Um we missed that underdog also. That's the thing. The underdogs are coming through, we're just we're just not getting them for you, people. Not, not um, a
0: lot in this past week though, you know, because you yeah. mentioned those two, but but apart from Wasn't that it I, was it was chalk all the way down. Yeah, through, it looks like sure. that was
1: it. Um we almost hit Mackie Patolo, he was what, forty three seconds away from hitting <laughs> hitting us the plus one fifty then he got himself he got himself tapped out by a Cuban missile.
0: Yeah, and that was the, the interesting part of that one, too, was I, I feel like while, while some of these fights we got right, uh, this one I feel like while we got wrong, we actually predicted it better in a lot of ways because he, he seemed to uh, land the bigger shots. He seemed to look better striking. He seemed to uh, make use of knowing that Julian Marquez was rusty. But then, like, I guess the weird part of that is the sub game of of Julian Marquez is I I think something we're just maybe sleeping a little bit on. Because not only did he get that choke, he was looking for him earlier. And and I think people forget, too, that's his second submission win in a row. Well, not, I mean, there's a a loss sandwiched in between them. But, like, he also choked out Darren Stewart. So, So maybe we need to stop thinking of him as a big power puncher and think that this dude's got some legit chokes
1: yeah we he may need a new uh new nickname i don't know i don't off the top of my head i don't have any cuban cuban choke uh nicknames but um yeah s- someone come up with a new nickname because uh, missiles don't choke i don't think i think missiles you, explode
0: you you could get something with, maybe there's something there with submarine missiles i, I gotta think about it but sure there, yes. <laughs> yep. there's,
1: there's something there there's something <laughs> there um yeah other than that um I guess we can we can start off on the top of the card. Uh, I got the pick right. Uh, you technically like you you assumed you not assumed you uh, uh, gunned your head proverbial gunned your head. You had Kamara Usman uh, winning the fight also, but you thought Burns at plus 215 was was worth the gamble. And in the first round it was it did seem like it was going to pay off for you because he um, he rocked the champ with a big overhand right. I think that's the only time we've ever seen Usman in trouble, right?
0: That's definitely the only time I've ever seen him look like he was in for real trouble. I'll also say this, too, which is really interesting, is he he said afterwards that he thought, you know, sort of the biggest problem he had was that he rushed in and got over-aggressive. But I would actually say that I don't think that was wrong, right? Like, I, I don't think he should have fought that any other way. Ultimately, it was unsuccessful. But I don't think you hit Usman... And you back away, and you just hope you're going to hit him later. The dude adjusts so well. The dude has got so many tools in the toolbox. When you hit him, you have to make use of it. And I think Gilbert tried that and did it as well as he could. Um, you know, ultimately, like I said, not successful. But like he, he proved that that price tag at plus two, you know, what did you say, two fifteen? I think he was. Like, like that's that's a reasonable price tag based on where he performed. I actually think he probably. Despite the fact he he didn't make it to the fifth round like Colby did, I actually think he he put up a better fight against Kamara Usman than, than Colby did. Um, you know, and and obviously you know that it's gonna take him a while to get back to a title shot or anything like that. But you know, down the road I, I would definitely be here for a rematch between those
1: two. Right, um, and I mentioned the elephant in the room earlier. Herb Dean. Uh, every basically every week, he, he's he's good for podcast fodder. At least um, he, uh, I don't think it was a bad stoppage. Um, Burns did get hit a lot, but it's more he was doing his old twinkle toes dancing around, almost falling on the top of the fighter, not knowing when he should really step into to stop the fight routine again. Like I said, I don't think the stoppage was. Was that horrible, um, but it, it's just his whole thought process behind it seems to be still uh,
0: really flawed. Yeah, and I would say this about it, too, is that, like, if he had stopped it when he first ran in, nobody complains. If he had stayed away and watched as Burns took extra damage and then he stopped it, nobody would complain. But it's like th- that that in-between where, like, you're almost on the verge of uh influencing the fight – and, like, like w- what would happen if Usman had jumped off of him and let Burns recover, which is kind of like what we saw with Amanda Hibas uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, not that she fully recovered. She just took a beating again. But, you know, it, it, yeah, it seems wrong that he just – if you're going to pull the trigger, pull the trigger, dude. Don't just stand there with your finger on it.
1: I, I know what would have happened. He, he would have uh, shrugged like like he did last time when it happened. Um, yeah, like, I don't want to – there's no – Need to beat a dead horse here, but it's like it's like I said a few podcasts back. It's like an aging fighter. Uh, he knows what to do, but you can't pull the trigger anymore. It seems to be the case with him, um, for some reason. But like I said, the stoppage wasn't horrible. It was just the whole uh, act of, of getting getting to that spot. Um, co a man Dan made me look dumb. He got Alexa Grasso, who looked fantastic. Macy Barber looked not fantastic, the opposite of fantastic. She was. Um, fighting the Invisible Man, looked like the whole fight. She was about, what, 150 feet away from Grasso and throwing uh, fancy, fancy spin kicks that? and
0: jabs? <laughs> the jabs, the, the fancy spin kicks, whatever, like, you cover ground with those. You don't cover ground with the jabs. Like, and I'm no striking expert. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I am. But, like, she came out. They had not even, like, touched gloves yet, and she fired off two jabs from about 15 feet away. And I'm like... That, that isn't serving any purpose, right? Except for, like, UFC stats has to now log that. and Like, I didn't look at UFC stats after it, but it has to, if they were actually counting every time she thought she was throwing a punch, they have to have, like, 385 strikes attempted by Maisie Barber and, like, 52 landed.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was... I think she is the classic bully fighter that she needs to be the one bullying her opponent and uh, needs to be the one in control and aggressive. And if the opponent doesn't wilt and if the opponent hits back, then then it's an issue. It seems. Yeah.
0: yeah, And you, you see that a lot with, with the athletic fighters on the regional circuit too, right? Like she fought in LFA, which is a high level organization, but being like a hyper athletic 21 year old, like, it's really easy to get by on that, right? Like, it's really easy, and I don't mean to say really easy, but when you are that athletic and you are that good and you're fighting regional-level competition, it's much easier to just kind of bully your opponent and be that bully. Uh, and, and, yeah, I think she's finding now that that doesn't work. And, and you know, to the credit of Grasso, not only did she not let Barber bully her, but she, like, gave it back to her, right? Like, she swept her. She wound up on top. She was the one putting barber against the cage like and and for barber who that's like her best attribute you have to worry about what that says about where her trajectory is right now right because like if you're you know her goal is to be champion by the end of this year which is obviously not happening and nobody thought it was happening anyway but if your thought is like i need to keep pushing for a title and granted she's you know in her early 20s she got plenty of time to to change but she needs to change, right? Like this is a, a sign on the wall that like there needs to be like wholesale changes in her game because she, you, if you can't bully a, a woman who was in the 115 pound division, you know, four months ago, like you're gonna have some trouble with with people who look like Valentina Shevchenko, you know, like th- that that's that's you know just a fact.
1: Yep, and we sh- we shouldn't harp on barbara too much because it was basically Grasso was was the star of that show and she, yeah, she impressed me. She maybe she may finally be putting putting uh it all together at age 27. That's her first time she's won back to back fights in in the UFC and um hopefully it's onward and upward for her.
0: Yeah and I think that and I've said this a couple of times too and I said it even last week I think it a lot it has a lot to do with the division she's in. You know she she had trouble with those wrestlers at 115 pounds and everybody thought. You know, oh, she's going up a weight class. The wrestlers, are, are, you know, are even stronger up there. It's going to be even more difficult. That that may be true, but she also is not emaciated anymore when she comes off the scale and she's trying to rehydrate to a level that makes her, you know, back to her athleticism. Instead, she has the ability to put that on others now. And and I think, you know, I, I I'm really excited for her at 125 pounds. I'd love to see her with a step up against somebody like, you know, uh, hey, Roxanne Matafari took care of Macy Barber once, Let, let's see those two throw down, because I'd be interested to see how she does with that physicality.
1: Right, and plus, um, Grasso only has lost to basically killers in uh, in her former division, Carlos Barza, Tatiana Suarez, and well, Felice Herrig isn't a killer, but she's, she's uh, a veteran, and this is what Four, year, four years ago so no shame in that so yeah i'm running upward for her uh hopefully um calvin gasolin looked like he got his mojo back last night or last well, we won't say last night because we're definitely not taping this uh this is live that so you what you're listening to right now <laughs> um he got his mojo back against uh, ian heinish and grappled his way to uh to a division uh, division a decision victory
0: yeah and and I think saying he's got his mojo back is is somewhat true, but also you know he fought three guys in a row that are all five of the best guys in the the division clearly you know and and I said it a little bit last week this fight won't tell us a lot we we've got He's got wins over guys who are lower than him and losses to guys above him, you know, and and there's really no telling where he fits because those guys are so far apart, right? Israel Adesanya is not close to Ian Heinisch, um, you know. Th- where Jacare Souza is right now is not close to Jack Hermanson or, or Darren Till. So, you know, we, we need something to see a little bit more where he's at. But, yeah, it, it was nice to see him back on the winning track because, hey, that would have been four in a row. Certainly uh, with a loss to number 15 in four in a row, certainly would have would have raised the question in this time where they're cutting people with, with expensive contracts if, if Calvin Gastelum was worth it anymore. So, yeah, that's a big win for him in a couple of ways.
1: No doubt uh, Ricky simone looked good he uh made Brian Callaher look really really gross. he was spurting blood um looked like he he wanted he looked like he wanted to quit but but um kudos to him for for sticking in there um in that fight um as about Mohammed looked good remember his name everyone um so yeah <laughs> overall it was yeah well, the greatest nickname ever remember his <laughs> name um no. Uh, I think we've probably touched on all the fights that we really need to, to say much about. But um, I want to circle back to the main event. What do you think is next for Kamaru Usman? He says, of course, he's calling out the big, big money fights. He wants um, Jorge Masvidal, which we've already saw, which we don't need to see again. But there really is no obvious next opponent for him, is there? Or maybe there is. Maybe you have one in mind. I
0: don't. And, and you know, he did say Jorge Masvidal, and then in the the post fight presser I don't know if somebody asked him about it or if he brought it up himself but he mentioned GSP that like it would be interesting to fight GSP I, I think here's the thing I will say if he wants one of those big money fights right now you're right it, it's it's maybe time for one of those because there is no clear cut number 1 contender right like you know Ber- Burns doesn't deserve an instant rematch do you give Colby Covington one after, you know, beating Tyrone Woodley by exploding rib? Maybe, but, like, I'm not sure I'm ready to see that again either. You know, I, I don't want to see Masvidal again. You know, like, I, I think that that's probably one of the lamer matchups you could make. Um, You know, Wonder Boys on a two-fight win streak, but, but against Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal, guys floating right around the number 10 in the division, so... Yeah, like, I don't know necessarily that there's a good answer for who he fights next. So if he wants one of those mega fights, you know, now would be the time. I actually think the answer, and and this, you know, is obviously contingent upon Dana continuing to dangle crap in front of us. But the obvious answer here, if you want a Kamara Usman big money fight, is, is Habib. If you could get Habib to come back, that is the fight to make because both of them have just, like, such dominant grappling. Both of them, you know, look great with the punches. They're both the guys who've spent the least amount of time on their backs throughout their course of their careers. Like, it it would be an amazing fight, and, like, now is the right time to make it with no clear-cut contender. But, of course, that's contingent upon, you know, Dana's dream of Habib not actually being retired, which you could say the same thing about GSP. So I think probably what winds up happening is you wind up seeing some matchups happen before Usman is booked again. And hopefully one of those, you know, helps us see what's happening. You know, maybe, maybe Masvidal finally does fight Colby Covington and gets wrestled for 25 minutes and then we get the Colby Covington rematch that is actually deserved. Or, you know, maybe, uh, man, I didn't even mention Leon Edwards. That's kind of wrong, but maybe Leon Edwards fights for the first time in 31 years and, uh, maybe he (laughs) sets himself apart. So, um, regardless of what it is, uh, I hope they just let some fights happen and then book the worthiest contender.
1: Right. If you're, if you're going at at this point, I think where these contender would, would be Edwards, but he's been out for a long time or, or a wonder Thompson, maybe have those two fight and the winner gets Usman. But obviously like the dream scenario would be uh, either like two people you mentioned, GSP or, or Habib. Um, Dana, uh, Habib doesn't seem to want to come back and Dana seems to not want GSP to come back. It's, It's just, there's a reason why he's mentioning that Usman definitely going to end up uh, better than than GSP ever was. Uh, he's going to have a better career than GSP. Like making statements like that, it's it's no, uh, it's not a coincidence that he's he's making statements like that because I I don't think GSP is is on his Christmas card list at this point.
0: <laughs> no, I I don't think so either. <laughs>
1: um, so that concludes that um. Mediocre card for us. Five and four, I guess that's a bit better than mediocre, right? Above average. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Above average. Um, We got a big card to break down this week for you. Before that, maybe we should tell you about some of our sponsors that haven't done that yet. Let me turn on my brand new phone I got here, folks, with with our ads on it. I think the first one we're going to do is BetQL. Yes, indeed. Um, If you want to get an advantage over the sports book, then you're going to want to download BetQL. It's the only app you need to make smart bets. Uh, uh, Let me see what we got here. Uh, They have sharp data for college basketball, NBA, NHL, um, and a bunch of other sports. I don't think they have MMA yet, but maybe that's something they'll have to look into in the future. If you want the inside edge on who the pros are backing, then you need to check out BetQL and They have tons of sportsbook offers for your for your state. Uh, you can head over to the App Store or Google Play and download BetQL. I was checking out that uh, this morning on their app, and they had like a NBA, yeah, I believe it was NBA pick that was uh, they're 90% accurate on, which is pretty crazy. So, um, and basically all their picks are all like 60% in that range there, but I saw one that was 90. So, uh, you're gonna want to head over to betql.com, enter the code SGP30. And you get 30% off your first subscription. So that's promo code SGP30 at betql.com. All right, which brings us to UFC Fight Night, Blades versus Lewis. I um, should get this out of the way. Um, the poster uh, for this event, um, Curtis Blades, his nipples really distracted me. I have to say that. There's something going on. I don't know what the deal is, but it's it's very distracting. Have you seen the poster, Dan?
0: I just pulled it up when you said that. And yeah, whoever's in the graphics department needs to be fired. It's
1: very, I know, I know we're on Valentine's Day and all, but I, I don't need to, don't need to see that. So anyhow, so we got, um, Blades versus Lewis, two, uh, big heavyweight boys. Um, that's February 20th. So this coming Saturday at the UFC apex as per usual in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, the main card is on ESPN+. Plus. Prelims are also on ESPN+. Plus. Let me get you a start time for this. That's what I forgot to up. Um, it won't be one of those wonky overseas start times, so it should be um, people in North America should be decent. You. So 8 o'clock Eastern is the main card, and 5 p.m. are the prelims. So hopefully you won't have to stay up too late to watch it. Um, we will start, as per usual, with um, the Early part of the prelims, this match was just added featherweight belt, Rafael or Rafael, I guess it would be, Alves versus Pat Sabatini. Um is making his view, uh, you see, He is uh, on short notice. He's the champ, but was it Cage Warriors he's the champ from, or no? CFFC. C- CFFC, yeah. yeah C-F-C. Right, okay.
0: C-F-C.
1: So, so he does have championship experience on the regional scene. Uh, he's 13 and 3 as a pro. Two knockouts, nine submissions. So he's a submission guy. Um, he has got an inch of reach, uh, slight reach on uh, Alves. He's won two straight fights, five of his last six. Uh, he's at plus 150 heading into this one. Um, short notice fighters do not fare too well. Um, I should put that out there. Uh, that's why I mentioned this is a short notice for him. I believe he just took, he took the fight a little over a week before He's actually going to be stepping into the cage, about a week and a half, perhaps. Um, as for Alves, uh, he's 19-9 as a pro, seven knockouts, seven submissions, so well-rounded guy. He will also be making his debut. Um, he has fought on the Contender Series, and he won his fight there. Um, he's won five straight fights. He's at minus 208. Um, what can you tell us about either of these guys since they're both debuting
0: so one of the things I will tell you about Sabatini is uh, he, he's a guy who tends to lean a little bit on his wrestling and his ability to control fighters. Um, that, that, that's what I've seen from his work in CFFC. I've seen a little grounded pound, seen an you know, arm bar here and there. you know, he, And he's got decent wrestling. The problem with that against a guy like Alves here is that he's he's just so good at cutting off the cage and putting you in a place where if you're going to shoot that takedown, it's going to be a desperation one. Um, And and I think that that's a real problem here for Sabatini is that uh, he, he's going to be backed up regularly against the cage unless he meets Alves right in the middle of the cage and throws absolute bombs. And, And I don't think that's a fight he wins because Alves is very strong. He throws big, heavy shots when he does throw them. And I will also say this, Alves has got one of the better guillotines I've seen recently. He snatches that thing up so fast. He did it on the Contender Series. He's done it on the regional circuit back in Titan and, and a couple of other good organizations he's fought for. So, you know, it's, you got a wrestler. you got a guy who's good at submissions. Uh, that's that's not a good good uh, good lineup there for, for Sabatini. Right. And in addition to that, too, I also think Alves just has a striking advantage. So I like Alves a lot in this fight.
1: All right, I, I will go with you on that one then. Um, I was This was one of the ones I it was up in the air, but yeah, the breakdown makes it seem pretty clear that uh, Alves is the choice. And he seems, uh, just basically looking at his record, he seems like the more rounded fighter of the two. So we will go with Chalk there. Uh, next fight, heavyweights. Get ready, everyone. Hashtag chunky guy. We, we need like the... <laughs> Our production uh, people need to put. Um, we need some kind of theme song or an alarm or something for for <laughs> chunky, chunky Guy alarm. But we have a couple of Chunky Guys going on out of here. Um, this is the fight we actually broke down what weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Do you remember how long December, ago it was? December,
0: I think it was. December, it was really? Okay. December. All
1: right, and it fell through at that point. Um, we'll go through it quickly again. Uh, Jared Vander, Vander ah, um he is making his debut. He is also a dana White Contender Series alum. Uh, he's won two straight fights, five of his last six. He is has 11 pro wins, seven knockouts, three submissions. Um, he has an inch of height and two inches of reach on Sergei Spivak. He's a plus 185 currently. Uh, Spivak, also hashtag chunky guy. Uh, 11 and 2 as a pro, 2 and 2 in the UFC. Um... He's one of those win-one-lose-one, win-one-lose-one type of guys. Um, doesn't seem to get a streak going. Uh, he's three years younger than his opponent. He's at minus 225. Uh, originally, we both have Spivak. had Spivak as our pick. Uh, I'm going to stick with him. I have no reason to change. Uh, has your thought on this change at all?
0: No, and as a matter of fact, I, I think Carlos Felipe's last performance actually gave me even more faith in Spivak because – not that Felipe looked good. I actually thought he lost that fight against Justin Taffa. But he looked good enough for me to note that if Spivak stymied him for as long as he did, uh, clearly he's got some chops. And with Vandera, I love Vandera. I think he's a fun fighter. He's got probably some of the more interesting jujitsu in the heavyweight division right now. I just don't think in this fight he has any way of getting it there. And I think he's at a disadvantage on the feet. I think he's probably going to wind up pressed against the cage for the vast majority of this fight, hoping to kind of clinch and take him down, but then he's going to get reversed and pressed against the cage. Um, And, and, you know, Spivak's really good at that. He even did it a little bit to Marcin Tybura, who's a tough grappler. So I don't think, you know, Vandera is better than Tybura in that regard. So I'm going with Spivak. and, And again, this is another one I feel pretty confident in.
1: There you go. Um, we're both going with the chalk again. be back. Uh, another brings us to another fight, which we already broke down a few weeks back, uh, Bantamweight uh, rescheduled bout. Uh, Amon Zahabi, a fellow Canadian of mine, who I would like to pick against my fellow Canadians. He's fighting Draco Rodriguez. Um, we will go with Zahabi. He's lost two straight fights. Uh, he's won one of his last three. Um, last fought in May of 2019. He's at plus 170 currently. Um, rodriguez he's got inch of reach nine years younger grappling stats in his favor he's seven and one as a pro two knockouts four submissions uh he will make it, be making his debut he also fought on the daniel White's Contender series at minus 210 uh at the time i had him and i'm going to stick with him and you had zahabi and you're going to tell me why you still have him probably
0: yeah i'm I'm going to stay with him too and, and again you can go back and, and listen to our old breakdown of it if you want you know i i think again this is another one that was scheduled for Uh, either early January or or late. Uh, I'm looking right now. This is the last card of December. So this is another December card, one that got revisited. Uh, I think the thing about Zahabi is a lot of people see that long layoff. A lot of people see those back-to-back losses. But one of those losses, he he was winning. He was beating Hikaru Hamosh. Um, and, and then in addition to that, too, you know, the, the long layoff is alarming for a lot of guys. But knowing that he lives in the gym with his brother, who happens to be one of the greatest trainers of all time, uh, gives me a little bit more confidence in that giant layoff. Um, in addition to that, I, I'm just not real high on Draco Rodriguez. He picked up a takedown in in his debut, but then was almost immediately swept, um, which is alarming, especially for a guy who's got good jiu-jitsu like Zahabi. Um, and, and yeah, he wound up with the submission, but he kind of just fell into it too, after almost being, uh, applauded. So I'm going to go here with Zahabi. I think he's got, um, especially with the underdog money, I think he's got a good chance to prove to people once again that, that he's, he's not, you know, just, you know, somebody's brother. He, he is actually a, a very legitimate Bantamweight.
1: All right. So Dan's catching his first L of the night there. Um, enjoy it when uh, i'll enjoy rubbing that in his face when that when the time comes uh before we break down some more let's tell you about um a fun site that uh we have been using here at sgp it's betterland.vegas betterland.vegas it's just like youtube but it's for what hashtag the gens only care about which would be sports betting of course um uh, best part of the site is you get free video picks from the SGPN crew. Make sure you subscribe to our page. So it would be sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Then you won't miss on any videos. If you're subscribed, you get a notification every time one of us posts a video. Um, I posted, let me think, I posted last week. Um, I think I gave you one winner out of the three picks I put on there. So there you go. Um, So uh, I'll have another video coming up this week with only winners, I promise. So make sure you go to SportsGamilyPodcast.com slash BTV to subscribe to our Better Than Vegas page. That's com slash BTV. All right. uh, Let's go to what weight class we're talking next uh, let's talk featherweights Chaz Skelly Jamal Emmers. let's talk about them uh, Chaz Skelly 18 and 3 as a pro 3 knockouts 10 submissions he's 7 and 3 in the UFC uh, 3 and 0 in Bellator so he's got a lot of high level experience won his last fight but that was way back in September of 2019 um, he's an inch taller than Emers uh, he's at plus 170 currently as of this recording as for Emers uh, 18 and 5 as a pro 7 knockouts 3 submissions um, one and one in the UFC. He dropped his debut, then won his last fight. Uh, he also was on contender series, but he lost that fight. That was his only fight he's lost in the past six. He's five and one. Uh, two inches of reach on Skelly, four years younger, striking and grappling stats in his favor. He's minus 210, and I sadly am taking chalk again in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm taking a again here and I like Chad Skelly too. Uh, but it, it's worth noting that Jamal Emmers is just he's really great at defending the takedown. Um you know you 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 mentioned that reach in there. His reach is pretty long for the division and, and Chad Skelly who's got long arms for the division too is still going to be at a reach disadvantage. Um, I actually think Emers in that fight with Giga Chikazi, who's now, you know, basically ranked in that division, he might actually be in the rankings at this point. Um, I actually think a lot of people saw it my the same way as I did and thought he won that fight. So, you, you know, we're talking about a guy who's, you know, just on the cusp of being one of the better uh, featherweights out there. And Skelly is going to have to wrestle him up in order to do it. You know, with Emmer's showing that he's got good takedown defense, both in his UFC fights and, and before that, I just like him here to probably defend enough takedowns and win what will probably be a, a pretty fun striking battle
1: he is has uh he being embers has 100% takedown defense um in the in the octagon so it includes uh, contender series plus uh his two regular fights so it's it's only three attempts but still he's never been taken down so we are both going with uh, mr embers in this one um i mentioned to dan off air that break down this card i came across quite a few fights where I want to pick both fighters to lose. Um, I'm not going to name any names. Uh, let, let's talk about our next fight. Uh, that would be um, Shayna Dobson versus um, – who's she fighting? Uh, Casey, Casey O'Neal. So it's women's flyweight bout. What I said before has nothing to do with this fight at all. Um, Dobson, the veteran, if you want to call her that. Uh, she's fought eight pro eight fights. Uh, she's four and four. As a pro, um, two knockouts, two and three in the UFC. She won her last fight via TKO, um, a fight that at least I had wrong. I, I'm not sure if you had it More than likely, you had it wrong, too, because you have most of your fights wrong. So, um, she has won one fight uh, in her last four, and that would have been it, uh, the last fight. She's plus 140 against the debuting O'Neal. Five and zero as a pro, one knockout, one submission, uh, eight years younger than Dobson. Minus 170, uh, what can you tell us about O'Neal and this matchup?
0: So, I think, I mean, I can tell you a little bit about her. I've seen some of her fights. Um, Eternal uh, MMA doesn't really post very much, so that's the majority of her background. But UAE Warriors, if you go on YouTube, you can see their whole event. So I did see her last fight, um, which, I'm going to be honest, she wins it by ground and pound, It almost seems like the person she's fighting, like, trips and falls and winds up on the bottom and then looks like a fish out of water there. Um, So, like, it it doesn't show me anything about her wrestling. It doesn't really show me anything about her control on top um, because the person she's fighting almost seems like she doesn't know how to be there. And before that, I wasn't actually very confident in what I saw out of her striking. Her striking actually looks kind of slow, to be completely honest. It, it doesn't look like it, it's UFC-level speed, which sort of makes sense. She's 5-0. and oh, um, You know, she's a, on the younger side. She's only 23. And I think she's probably got a lot of promise, which is probably why the UFC is her against Shayna Dobson, who, again, while she took out a prospect in her last time, is, like, the right test for a 5-0 and oh fighter who hasn't really been pushed yet? With that being said, I still think Dobson is probably too much here for Casey O'Neill because while Dobson, like I said, you know she's not the best flyweight in the, the UFC by any stretch of the imagination, she does box pretty well. She she does look good when she's on the feet, and I just don't see O'Neill being able to like you know just luck her way into a takedown here against. Uh, Against Dobson, so I'm gonna take Dobson at the dog money, especially because, like you said at the beginning, or you were hinting at the beginning, or you were not hinting at the beginning. <laughs> no, uh, I wasn't hinting. You, you, you almost don't think either of these two are 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 going to win or worthy of a win in the, the octagon right now. And if that's the case, why not go with the plus money, right? Like if we're we're going yeah. to make a pick and we're going to put $100 on every fight, like we always do, uh, you might as well put the $100 on the person who, first of all, has more octagon experience, has fought tougher opponents. And second of all, I mean, like, you're getting the better return on it.
1: Right. Good enough for me. Let's uh, both take some under, take an underdog here because it looks like this card's really chalky for me. So let's go with Dobson. Um, brings us to the next fight is a pick on the board currently. They're both at minus 115. That would be featherweights Julian Arosa and Nate Landwehr. Uh, Landwehr, 14-3 and three. as a pro. Eight knockouts. He's 1-1 in the UFC. He's won eight of his nine. Uh, past nine fights uh, striking in his favor, like I said, minus one fifteen. Uh, Juicy J, I believe, is a <laughs> nickname, which is kind of gross, but that's his nickname nonetheless. Um, that's a reason not to pick him right there. Uh, Twenty-four and eight is a pro. Ten knockouts, eleven submissions, so that's very impressive. He is a finisher. Uh, he's should be. I've noted uh, of his eight losses, four of them are v or TKO. Um, he's two and four on the UFC. Uh, this is his third kick in the can at the ufc um he won his last fight uh to start off his third stand here so basically he's that's other another way of saying he's been cut twice already um so overall, i believe i said he's two and four in the in the ufc uh he also was in the ultimate fighter house he's three and one there he also was in dana white's contender series uh, he won his fight there so he's basically been all all their properties he's been on um, he's won two straight fights, including his most recent uh, re-entry to the UFC octagon. He's got four inches of height, uh, two inches of reach, and he's one year younger than his opponent. Uh, grappling stats are also in his favor. He's at minus 115. Um, I think I like Land Weir in this one, in this pick-and-fight.
0: Yeah, I'm leaning towards Landweir two too, on this one, mostly because... You know, the thing about Landwehr is is, is he's pretty freaking tough. Um, yeah. and, and if you look at Juicy J's uh, resume, uh, <laughs> it even sounds dirty uh. to say. <laughs> if you look at Juicy J's resume, uh, you, you don't see a lot of fights where he is able to win a decision. Um, because he's he not got a lot of great output. Um, you know, he, he kind of goes for the big strike or nothing kind of deal. And, and like, for that reason, he gets outworked by guys like Julio Arce, or he gets outworked by guys like Grant Dawson or, you know, like he, for nothing, he was getting outworked by Sean Woodson too, before, you know, he caught Sean Woodson in a Dar's choke. And he was getting outworked by Jamal Emmers on the contender series before, you know, he landed a big shot that ultimately, you know, knocked Emers out. You know, if you go back, he got knocked out by Artem Lobov in no time. You know, he got knocked out by uh, Taruda Ishihara, who I used to really like, but uh, is no longer with the UFC. So I think Landwehr has enough power that he could knock you out. And uh, I think also, should this go to decision, I think Landwehr is just going to put more volume on him, as he did against uh, Darren Elkins and ultimately took that fight.
1: There you go. Uh, let, let us not say Juicy J ever again. <laughs> um, let's move on to a lot of lightweights, uh, lighter weight fights in the undercard. Banner weights. Eddie Wineland, John Castaneda. So we've got a um, younger guy against a veteran here. Uh, Castaneda, we'll start with. Um, he's 17 and 5 as a pro, six knockouts, six submissions. Uh, he lost his UFC debut. So he's only won one fight in his last four. and That would have been on the Contender Series. Um, two inches of reach on Wineland, Seven years younger. Uh, this is a pick-and-fight. He's at minus 115. Uh, Wineland 24 and 14 as a pro. 15 knockouts, four submissions. He's only won once in his last four also. He got knocked out his last fight. He's 6 and 8 in the UFC. he would be an inch taller, but he's given up the reach. Uh, grappling stats in his favor. Minus 115. I'm um, leading at leaning to Castaneda, but I don't really know too much about him, so we'll we'll see what you have to say, and then I may change.
0: Yeah, it's – first of all, I'm also going to pick Castaneda here, and, and the worry for me is, you're right, that one in three looks so bad, especially when you consider two of them not in the UFC, right? And, and so, like, not not lower, lower-level competition because it's in combate. One of them's a split decision, and, and you know, he, he looked pretty good in that split decision too – but, like, I just don't see Eddie Wineland being the type of person who's going to go in there and slug it out with Castaneda for a long period of time. And that's really what Castaneda does. He, he goes in there and slugs. We saw him even land on – he didn't take any rounds off of Nathaniel Wood, but he did go in there and he landed early on Nathaniel Wood. And I, I don't know if Eddie Wineland is going to, you know, try to technically outbox him, but I just don't think Castaneda is going to let him fight that kind of fight. He's just going to try to go in there – Guns blazing, just absolutely trying to pour on the pressure, and I'm just not sure at this point in time in his career Eddie Wineland has that. It's also worth noting that Castaneda has a ton of submissions on his record. You know, he he's the type of guy who maybe mixes in the wrestling here, and Wineland's got good defensive takedowns, and and he he's good at staying on his feet to force the boxing match, but at least like putting that fear into his mind while he's being crazy pressured. Uh, it adds another layer here to Castaneda, so I, I really don't like this fight from a betting perspective. It, it's a pick 'em for a reason, um, but it, if I'm, I'm picking somebody, I'm picking Castaneda here.
1: Right. I, I think going against the older fighter who just got knocked out also in a pick 'em mm-hmm. fight is probably probably the uh, the right the right move, which I'm sure will be proven it'll be proven otherwise when it comes right down to it. But, but we try to make smart picks. We can't help what the MMA gods uh, do and whether they smile on us or not, come fight night. Um, lightweights, Dracar Close, Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena. Um, Pena, uh, he's eight and three as a pro, two knockouts, four submissions, four and three in the UFC. He's kind of fallen from grace. He was a bit of a um, – he's got quite the personality and the look, and he seemed to be a rising star, but that star seems to have fallen quite a bit. Um, his four and three record probably has a lot to do with that. Uh, he lost his last fight. He'll be taking this one on short notice. Um, He will be six inches taller, five inches of reach. He's a very, very big uh, featherweight or lightweight. I'm sorry. Um, He seems to always tower over his opponents. Um, He's also five years younger. He's at plus one fifteen. Close. Um, It's more of a uh, built more like a fire hydrant than than uh, Pena. (laughs) He's not a chunky guy, I wouldn't say, but he's he's uh, a solid dude. Eleven and two. As a pro, four knockouts, five and two in the UFC. Um, he got knocked out his last fight, which is a little worrisome. Uh, striking stats in his favor. He's around minus one fifty six at this point. I'm despite, despite him being knocked out. I'm I'm taking him in this fight.
0: Yeah, I'm taking him in this fight too. You know, you said somebody being recently knocked out is one of our triggers that you know you got to take a second look at it. Also, one of our, our things that we constantly track is people taking this fight on short notice, which is what Luis Pena is doing here. You know, this was originally supposed to be Closa versus Jai Herbert, which is a fight I liked a little bit more here because, you know, not for anything, I don't think Pena is going to stand there and bang with, with Dracar Closa. I mean, he definitely could work that exceedingly long jab and just sort of hide behind that and win a decision that way, but... Pena's best attribute for me is his creative grappling, and I just don't think this ever goes to the ground unless Klos dis- decides it does. It's also really worth noting that while Jakar close is coming off that knockout loss, he almost knocked out Benil Dariush in that fight. He had Dariush badly hurt. Dariush won comeback of the year on that that fight so you know obviously he had Darius down enough and, and we're talking about Dariush who's now ranked in the top 10 in the the UFC's lightweight division which is the one of the most stacked divisions so I think while that that knockout loss is definitely you know a, a little mark on his record that fight is not a bad fight in the the grand scheme of things for Cloza and, and hey maybe even learn something about pouring it on I, I think he's going to tag Pena here as much as he wants to. And ultimately he's probably going to finish him.
1: Close is the pick uh, featherweights. Um, don't worry. There's might be a lot of light, lighter weight classes in the prelims, but we've got some hashtag Chucky guys coming up again. Uh, the main card is chock full of them. Um, featherweights, Danny Chavez, Jared Gordon. Um, we will start with, let's uh, start with Gordon. Um, 16 and four as a pro, six knockouts, two submissions. All of his four losses are via knockout, Um, so that's something to keep in mind. He's four and three in the UFC. He won his last fight. He has an inch of height into reach and one year younger than Chavez he's at minus 105 so he's a slight underdog in this one um Chavez 11 and 3 is a pro three knockouts he won his UFC debut which is part of a four fight winning streak grappling stats in his favor minus 125 what are you thinking in this one
0: I'm all over Danny Chavez and at this negative 125 number I will point out if you are listening to this right now and you like the idea of betting Danny Chavez Go do it right now because his number is constantly getting barked up and up and up as people bet on him. If you looked at it as early as last week, you would have seen him at plus 120. That's right, he marked as the underdog when these lines opened, and since then has been bet up so much that he's now at negative 125 as the favorite. And, and the reason is really simple is that if you go back and watch his debut fight, he is incredibly impressive. I was blown away when I went back and rewatched it. Cause I was like, I remember the name Danny Chavez, but like not well enough. So I went back and watched this fight. His kicks are so fast. He's an explosive striker and his sprawls and the way that he stops takedowns is really impressive. So I, I loved him in his debut. He looked really good and-, and he looked really good not for anything too, but against a guy who can wrestle a little bit and TJ Brown, right? Like TJ Brown is not a bad wrestler, so, like, yeah, here he gets a guy who probably wrestles a little bit better than T.J. Brown. Maybe maybe not even. And I think ultimately is going to be way slower on the feet than Chavez. So not only am I on Chavez here, I'm all over him, especially at negative 125. Get him there before he's negative 150 or 170 by the time this fight rolls around.
1: All right, I'm sold. Uh, Chavez is the pick there. Um, To our prelim main, main event uh, middleweights uh fight we broke down also a few weeks back. Um it was supposed to be the first card of the year, so uh starting in January. Uh middleweight, like I said, Phil Haas, Nazardine Imevov. Um there's awesome fight. So we got a lot of a lot of tough ones, um uh, or a lot of close ones on the board this week. Uh Haas, nine of pro wins, seven knockouts, two submissions. 2 inches of reach on Imivov. Um he's 1-1 in the UFC, he also was 1-1 on Dana White's contender series, and as I said, he's minus 115, Imavov 9 wins, 3 knockouts, 4 submissions, 3 inches taller than Haas, 6 years younger, um, small sample size but striking stats are in his favour, uh, he's 1-0 in the UFC um and as i said it's for the third time now this is a pick fight minus 115 um and we originally had both had Imovov. Uh, i'm sticking with mine i take you're probably sticking with yours too
0: yeah i'm sticking with Imovov too here the thing about Imovov is he fights really well from a range he does not tax himself out he is a very safe striker who is dangerous with the counters and he's fighting a guy who's overly aggressive and who gasses himself out. I mean, like, that, that's a recipe for disaster for Phil Hawes. I mean, if you look back at Phil Hawes' entire career, with the exception of his pro MMA debut, the guy has never won a fight that got out of the second round. Um, and if you look at any time he's fought anybody with, with a skill level that, you know, is sort of worth talking about, most of the guys who are able to get him to the second round have him so tired that they finish him. You know, Julian Marquez had him up against the cage. He looked exhausted in the second round. He got head kicked into oblivion. Luis Taylor, on on uh, back when World Series of Fighting was called World Series of Fighting, wore him out for a round and then choked him out. Go back to him not getting into the ultimate fighter house. And, you know, he, he fought Andrew Sanchez, got exhausted at the end of that fight and just taken down by Andrew Sanchez. So you're fighting a guy who's who has good energy management, who's good at countering people who are overly aggressive. I mean, like, I actually think Imov is probably being vastly underrated here against Hawes uh, because I think it, this will get to the second and Imov will start being incredibly dangerous at that time.
1: There we go. Um, We are sticking with that. We're agreeing with each other far too much, but I guess we did last week, too, and we we ended up fairly good, so maybe that's a good thing. Um, As we usually do on this show, we bring you the main card, hashtag ad-free, so that means I have to better, better tell you about Our final sponsor uh, before we hit that, that would be Better Edge, uh, B T T O R Edge. Uh, Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, which allows you to buy and sell betting positions just like the stock market. Best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. Since you're buying positions from other sports betters, there's no house. Uh, You can play for money in 40 states. uh, Plus, Currently, they are doing a weekly college basketball contest on Wednesdays and Saturdays. $10 to enter, and each user will start with a balance of 1,000 Edge coins to wager on the games. player with the highest earnings will take the entire pool of entry fees, so it's like a Battle Royal winner-take-all. Find the link under the competitions tab on their site. Sign up today at BetterEdge.com and use the promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com, promo code SGP. Basically, everywhere you are, use the promo code SGP. Um, I hear you can get two-for-one colonoscopies with that code, so it's basically, it's the way to go. <laughs> right? You want, you want to take them up on that offer, Dan? I, for I'm good. Colon- I think I'm
0: still <laughs> too young to, to need all of that. All right. <laughs> all
1: right. Uh, um, I may be lying about that also. Who knows? Uh, um, main card, anyway, it's Dan's boyfriend, which is, uh, which is uh, fitting since this is right around Valentine's Day. Dan's boyfriend is in the uh, opening card here. Dan loves Andre Um <laughs> and he is fighting Tom Espinol let's um, tell you about Orlovsky and then Dan'll tell you why he's picking him um, he's 30 and 19 as a pro 17 knockouts three submissions he's 19 and 13 in the UFC that <laughs> is this is this his second or third stint second stint I think only in the UFC Versus his third. Do you know? I think this is three, but I, I can't okay.
0: tell you for certain because I know yeah. there was the World Series of Fighting run in there. There was a strike, right. strike Force, Strike Force run in there. Yeah. I don't know if they're back,
1: but yeah. he's, he's he is back. <laughs> he's uh, he's won two straight fights also in the UFC. He's more than back. He's looked really good. Uh, he's won three of his last four fights. Um, and he's at plus two ten. He's one of those guys like we were saying about Andre Arlovski, who we were wrong about, but he's one of those guys who um has changed his game um and is not getting himself knocked out anymore like he used to so um something to note here uh, he will be fighting aspinall who's nine and two as a pro eight knockouts one submission he's won two uh two straight ufc fights so he's two and in the ufc there's only he's had in the big show he's won five straight fights and all of them have been a form of knockout or tko two inches taller one inch reach, 14 years younger. Uh, striking stats in his favor, minus 270. Um, I'm obviously taking him. Dan is going to tell you why he's taking Arlovski at plus 210, even I'm though think, he's going to be wrong.
0: I'm definitely taking Arlovski at negative 210. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. reason, the reason, simple though, because I uh, let me let me get this straight. First of all, I've always picked Arlovski in every single freaking fight he's ever had. He's always been underdog money. The last time he was a favorite, he fought Frank Mir, uh, and I think that was twenty four 14 or something like that um, when he fought Frank Mir. So he's always coming in at dog money. But if you look at what Arlovsky has done well lately, and you mentioned the two fight winning streak, I picked against him when he fought Tanner Boser, because I thought Tanner Boser would be able to take it to him. And the thing he's done really well lately is fight guys who do a good job of knocking out their opponent early but aren't really great at going the distance, right? You know, Tanner Boser, when he fought Tanner Boser, had been on a winning streak. And Tanner Boser, when he fought Tanner Boser, had knocked out both of his last two opponents. Not big wins, And he had knocked out Rafael Pessoa. And before that... Andre Oloski fought Felipe Limbs, another guy who, you know, sort of heavily touted coming from Professional Fighters League. And he was coming off of four straight knockout finishes, including Jared Rochal and Josh Copeland, who are, you know, UFC vets in their own right. So he's fighting these guys who are particularly good at, like, knocking people out fast. And what he's doing is he's just keeping them the point fight. fight. Uh, and a lot of these heavyweights don't know how to do that. And that's sort of the beauty of what he's done under Mike Brown. Now you got him fighting Tom Aspinall, who literally only has finishes on his record. That's it. He went to decision one time in his amateur career, but apart from that, the dude goes in and he slugs and he tries to get the finish. If Orlovsky doesn't engage him in that kind of match and picks him apart, I could see this looking just a fight and seeing Andre Arlovsky come out with a, you know, a really kind of lackluster 29-28 win, but at plus 210, I mean, why not try that?
1: Um, I know why not. Do you know who's undefeated, Dan? Who who is undefeated? Yes, Father Time is undefeated, Dan.
0: <laughs> and I don't like, think Tom
1: Aspal is. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Lasky, he's almost as old as I am, not quite. Yeah, he just turned 42, so no, I, I won't be picking him. But you you made it. You made, a, a, uh, made some like you're picking with your head, um, which which is all we can ask, Dan. We know you're really picking with your heart
0: hundred percent hard on this one, but hey, <laughs> two two ten is a great price on your heart.
1: <laughs> right, they were heavyweights, but none of those guys were chunky guys. But let's let's move on to some chunky guys. Um, Alexei Oleinik, Chris Dalkis. I don't think we're gonna call Oleinik chunky technically, because um, he's old. He's even older, Ar- older than Arlovsky. He's going to be 44 in the summer. but And he's, he's not overly chunky. But that's um, And he's a nice guy. We don't want to insult the man. Um, let's break him down. 59-14-1 um, is his pro MMA record. Yeah, that's insane. Here's something even more insane. Eight knockouts, uh, that's not much. 46 submission wins. Uh, 46 times he's tapped out his opponent. That's insane. Um, eight and five in the UFC. He lost his last fight um before that he had won two straight um before that he had lost two he w- lost two straight so basically he's uh two and one in his last three two and three in his last five he's got four inches of reach because he's got a gorilla arms um grappling stats and just grappling uh, uh eyeball test <laughs> he's grappling is in his favor uh plus 155 underdog docus we are officially calling a chunky guy right
0: I think
1: he's a little bit chunky. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's I should mention we're not fat shaming. We we enjoy our, our chunky fighters. So I, I love it, hashtag a,
0: chunky guys.
1: Exactly. It Dan loves hashtag chunky guys. Um there's a there's a sound clip for us. Um he's ten and three as a pro, nine knockouts. Two and all in the UFC, he's won three straight fights. He's an inch taller, but he doesn't have the gorilla arms that Olenek has. Um, 12 years younger than his opponent's striking stats in his favor, minus 185. Uh, I'm going with the younger guy again in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Dawkins on this one, too. I will say I'm not thrilled about the price tag. When I saw this fight booked, I was like, ooh, Dawkins might come in at plus money, and that would be a sweet play. And then it got posted, and I was like, oh, that's kind of – Disappointing. That's actually even further apart than I really wanted it. Like I was hoping for plus money at the least. I was hoping for like negative negative one thirties or something like that. And we come in damn near close to negative 200. But you know, like the fact of the matter is, is that Docus in addition to being younger has a phenomenal gas tank. Um, you haven't had to see it very often because he does get the job done quick. But Olenek has shown that if anything is degraded with time, it's certainly been his energy levels. Like if, if you look at his win over Maurice Green, uh, which I mean, he gets the armbar at the end. He looks exhausted fighting Maurice Green, like absolutely exhausted fighting Maurice Green. Then you talk about the fact that, you know, we, we, we've said time and time again, you start getting knocked out. That That's what keeps happening. In his last five fights, he's been knocked out three times, you know, and, and granted Derek Lewis, Walt Harris and Alistair Overeem, Are better punchers probably than than Chris Dawkins, but at the same time we're not talking about like oh he's just a a slightly less good puncher he'll have a tougher time knocking him out. No, those knockouts are cumulative. And Daukaus not for anything knocked out Parker Porter who has got a very hard head. Uh, so you know I like Chris Daukaus here. Uh, I, I like him probably as long as he survives any early grappling exchanges that should happen, and he is a black belt too. So like he he probably will. I think he probably finishes uh, Olenek in, in the second or third round here as Olenek begins to tire and he can just kind of pour on the volume.
1: We may have a prop bet there, a uh, little, um, little tease there for you. Um, we are moving to featherweights. Uh, we'll see if Dan goes with his heart or his head here also. Um, Charles Boston Strong-Rosa versus Derek Miner. Um, Minor, 25 and 11 as a pro, one knockout, 22 submissions. Uh, 1-1 in the UFC, he won his last fight. Uh, He lost in the Dana White's Contender Series. He's four years younger. Striking and grappling stats in his favor, he's at plus 140. As for Rosa, 13 and 4, three knockouts, eight submissions, 4 and 4 in the UFC. Um, He's swapped wins and losses back and forth the whole the whole his whole career in the UFC, he won his last fight for what that's worth. Um, two inches of height, minus 170. What do you think? Are you going with your Massachusetts buddy or not?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm sticking with the Massachusetts guy and Charles Rosa here. I, I think Derek Minner probably saved his career last time out. Um, he he had back-to-back losses to kick off his career, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, or I mean, if you if you count Contender series, he really lost on Contender series, and then he lost to Grant Dawson. I think, you know, you mentioned his really good grappling record, which is true. He is an excellent submission grappler. But sort of the problem is is that, like, he concedes the takedowns because he knows he's good at grappling. So he's going to see himself on the bottom against Charles Rosa a lot. And, and unless you're, like, one of the very, very best 145-pound grapplers, you know, unless you're, you're the Bryce Mitchells of the world or, you know, somebody of that nature – you're not going to have a good time grappling with Charles Rosa because he, he is a phenomenal grappler. So I think with Rosa just having the better positions all the time, I, I think he probably wins a decision here. Um, I, I don't know necessarily if he'll be able to get Minner out, but, like, I, I do think that he's going to wind up in the better better spots all the time.
1: Yep, agreed. Uh, Rosa is the, is the pick. Um, Co-main event, women's band and weight, Ketlin Vieira, Yana Kuniskaya, um we'll go with the underdog, Kunis Kaya first. 13 and 5 as a pro, 7 knockouts, 1 submission. Uh 3 and 2 in the UFC, won her last fight. Striking stats in her favor. She's at plus 215, so quite sizable underdog here. Because Vieira is very good. Uh 11 and 1 as a pro, 2 knockouts, 4 submissions, 5 and 1 in the UFC. She won her last fight after losing her only uh pro fight before that. Um 2 inches of height. Two years younger, minus 275. It's a lot of twos. Um, I am going with her despite uh, 275 is quite a quite a, a high number, but I'm going with her. She's Her only pro loss is to Irene Aldano, who knocked her out, which is a little worrisome because Kuniskaya is a bit of a striker um, with seven knockouts, but I'm still sticking with VR. I'm not sure if I'm very keen on minus 275, though.
0: I actually am okay with the number at negative 275. I think she's still playable there, or maybe even hashtag throw her in a parlay, Um, because I I just don't think Yana Kunitskaya has much for her in terms of uh, the grappling game, if it should go there. Like, her grappling defense is, like, notably not very good. uh, If you look at her, her... uh, UFC stats, they call it now, but I'm going to still keep calling it Fight Metric. Um, you, you know, she gave up a couple of takedowns to Aspen Ladd. She's given up takedowns to Marianne Reneau. Uh, like, she gets out grappled fairly easily. And we're talking about Ketlin Vieira who, who not only took down Sarah McMahon, but subbed her. You know, like, subbed Sarah McMahon on the, the mat, which, granted, we just saw Juliana Pena do the same thing. But, like, this is also before Sarah McMahon's big long layoff when, you know, we were thinking of her as one of the top bantamweights. You know she took down Kat Zingano pretty much at will as well so like she she's a really really physically strong grappler she she has been my choice lately and and probably for the last four or five years of the person who needs to challenge for the title obviously the setback to Irene Aldana is bad but like we can also talk and, and be pretty honest about the fact that that's probably just her getting caught in a striking exchange. It doesn't happen very often at women's bantamweight unless you're fighting uh, Amanda Nunez. And, and here, I just don't think Iana Kunitskaya has got the power in her hands to put Vieta away that way. And I don't think she's got the game to either grind out a decision or a sort of point fighter to a decision. So I, I think everything points here, Vieta. And I, I think in a, a safe enough way that I feel comfortable with that number of almost negative 300.
1: All right, there we go. Um, agreeing again, we'll see if we agree with the main event. Um, Heavyweights, hooray! Heavyweights. Um, we'll start with the chunky guy, Derek Lewis, who, who will be going up against Curtis Nipple Blades. Um, <laughs> nipple, I'm, not sure if that, I'm not sure if that works or not. But, uh, he's 20. Uh, Lewis, um, the Black Beast, uh, Mr. Entertainment. Not quite as entertaining now as, as he was uh, earlier in his career. He's seems to want to actually be a real fighter now instead of just a crazy madman in the cage um 24 and 7 as a pro 19 knockouts one submission uh he's won three straight fights uh 15 and 5 in the ufc very impressive there plus 280 and i also have in my notes here that he's chunky um he's a different kind of chunky yeah I, i actually he is like chunk like he's solid chunky he's it's not like um flabby chunky he's 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 a so, solid dude um, we, we don't
0: we don't discriminate against the different no. kinds of chunky they're exactly. all chunky guys to us
1: <laughs> exactly curtis blades 14 and 2 as a pro 10 knockouts his two the, the two in his record the two losses were to francis ningano the only man who's ever beat him um he's nine and two in the ufc um uh, so nine and oh if you don't if francis nagano doesn't exist uh he's won four straight fights uh he's got inch of height inch of reach six years younger than lewis striking and grappling in his favor he is a ground and pound uh machine he's minus 355 um which is i'm gonna take him but that's for a heavyweight fight uh with a guy who can crack like lewis that's a little little scary a number that high but uh, i'm taking him nonetheless.
0: I'm I'm taking him here. I'm actually not even worried about that price tag because I think that this is the easiest fight on the whole card to call. You, know, yeah. you mentioned it, it's really hard to call heavyweight fights, right? But also remember that, that uh, Curtis Blades is a guy who held down Alexander Volkov for 25 minutes. And they called the fight boring because they thought the fight was boring. And look at how hard it is to do something like that to Alexander Volkov because he just absolutely put it on Alistair Overeem. In addition to that, too, like, we're talking about Derek Lewis, a guy who's got some comeback wins and, and, and has looked fun. And like you said, he, he looks interested in being an actually good fighter. But he's also a guy who gave up three takedowns to Blagoy Ivanov. He gave up three takedowns after that fight to, to Ilyar Latifi, who is a, a short, light heavyweight. Never mind a heavyweight. He's a short, light heavyweight fighter. Uh, for those reasons, like, I mean, like, he's giving up takedowns to guys. He shouldn't give up takedowns to he's fighting the best wrestler in the division. And I stand by that statement and I will stand by it time and time again. He is fighting a guy who is absolutely miserable to try to wrestle against. So I mean like to me, blades takes him down and beats the hell out of him in a round. Derek Lewis is tired. And then, I mean, then all we're talking about is hail Mary haymakers. And I don't think he's on the feet long enough to throw any.
1: Right. Do you th- see that it's lasting long like is this going to be blades grinding out of uh, a decision victory or is he just going to hammer fist his way to a decision to a, a stoppage
0: i think he's probably going to wind up with the stoppage and and here's why everybody sort of laughs at, at Derek lewis's i just stand up defense uh when he's wrestling right like it's it's funny he does it and it works sometimes because he's enormous uh but it's not going to work against a wrestler like blades and i think if he tries shit like that the biggest issue with it is it leaves him open to be passed right like in order to try that offense you're like splitting your guard or you're loosening up your your half guard or you know like you know you're you're sort of exposing yourself to like side control positions if he winds up in side control or bottom out against uh, Curtis Blades, Curtis Blades is going to put him away. Or at least is going to put enough volume on him that Herb Dean will pretend to stop it, then not stop it, and then actually stop it. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually think if you're looking for a prop here, Curtis Blades, to finish, is, is probably, uh, to, you know, by TKO here, is probably worth it.
1: All right. Do you have any other props?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, sorry, yeah I, mean, I mentioned before, I like Chris Dawkus, uh to probably knock out Alexi Olenek. If you're looking at props there, you know, looking at him by knockout or looking at, you know, second or third round props as well, because I think Olenek is probably going to tire in those second and third round ones. The, the lines tend to be kind of juicy there. I will also say, uh, if you're looking for a prop, Andre Orlovsky versus Tom Aspinall goes the distance is probably a prop. Even if you don't love Arlovsky like I do, just assuming that that fight probably goes the distance due to Arlovsky's style it is a prop that is probably going to hit. And it's one you're probably going to get plus money on, too, because heavyweight fights don't often do that. And even with Andre Arlovsky's recent record, they've still been, and I don't see lines out for this yet, but they've still been lining him often that the fight does not make it to the judges' scorecard. So... I'd look for that on that one. But, uh, yeah, those are my, my big ones there. Curtis Blades to finish, Chris Dawkus in probably the second or third round, and then uh, Andre Orlovsky and Tom Aspin all go the distance.
1: What a juicy episode this was. You, you said juicy again there, Dan. Ju- juicy, Jay. <laughs> you, if, if someone's playing a drinking, drinking game and the word's juicy, we've got someone, uh, they're probably hospitalized now for, uh, for alcohol poisoning because there was a lot of juicies in this episode. Um, I think that's probably all the juicies we've uh, we've had to say. I think you've got your money's worth of, of the juicy from us. Um, make sure you check out all uh, my writing at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. You may even get to see Daniel Gumby Vreeland's writing there soon. You never know. Um, and check out MMA-Manifesto.com, which we both uh, write on. Um, we'll have lots of good stuff coming up this week for blades versus lewis uh, uh, as well as a pick'em contest it's free to enter and you can win good stuff uh courtesy of me um make sure you follow me on twitter it would be jeff fox a writer uh dan would be gumby vreeland uh make sure you listen to dan's two other podcasts where he you have actually haven't um, haven't uh contradicted yourself recently you're, you're sticking uh Sticking your guns and picking the same fights, uh, same winners for all the fights uh, I see on all your podcasts now. So that would be top turtle MMA and prelim picker.
0: Yeah, I've I've been a little bit more diligent in my notes and making sure that I I don't contradict myself because I told you somebody called me out on Twitter on it. They were like, you told <laughs> you told me Jordan Williams was going to win on one show and you told me Nasudur I- Imovov was going to win on another one. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's like the like the last prelim to the bottom. I'm glad that you wa- listened to me on like seven different shows, but. I, I messed up once
1: <laughs> so did you say mom please stop bothering me on twitter
0: uh, who, no, uh, who I, else I have would, many i have many more followers than you
1: <laughs> that's true but who else would listen to you on all your podcasts other than me and your mom seriously no
0: I, I I probably I was gonna say my wife. My wife would not listen
1: no. to all of these. <laughs> our, our wives do not listen to it. They, they. My wife says she hears enough of it as I'm recording it. Uh. So she and my son thinks I yell at you the whole time. So he doesn't need to listen to it either. He says so. Which is pretty much he pretty much nailed the dynamic here. I I do yell at Dan most of the time and tell him how, what how he's wrong. So. That's pretty much it. Uh, if you want to hear Dan knock it, uh belittled and yelled at, listen to Top Turtle MMA and Prelim Picker because he's he's in charge of those podcasts, so he did, doesn't allow any, anyone to. Even though he is the one that edits his podcast here, so he very easily could take out all of my all, all the times I. I it, give them slight and not so slight digs but i guess it's too much work for a lazy guy like you though right
0: <laughs> yeah that, that is a little bit too much work and, and it would also sound pretty broken i feel like if I it's true that
1: out. <laughs> it, it would be a, like those uh, when they try to uh clean up the uh, the rap songs when they put them on nba 2k and my son plays and like hey the, this whole whole verse is missing in this song for some reason but and you um i have to come up with a good uh good closing um line i've i've came up with a really good um if you've noticed the past two weeks i've come up with a really good uh, opening line which is welcome to the podcast which is something I, I just came up uh almost it was like in a dream of mine i came up with that with that line so i d- do need to come up with it do you have a good closer that i can use dan i, I you, Basically just
0: you could just, just steal a Walter Cronkite or something like that
1: <laughs> I don't steal lines from people what are you talking about <laughs> welcome to the podcast is original and I'll have to come up with an original uh... This is inside jokes and no, maybe the guy that yells at you on Twitter may know what I'm talking about here, but no, no one else does. So I probably, probably should put this one to bed. So thank you for listening. And we will be back uh, next week to uh, tell you how smart we were and, and tell us on Twitter how much money we're going to win you this week because we're, we've got all the winning picks. So thanks for listening and we will talk to you then.